invitation song is, Oh, Why Not Tonight? Have Emily stand up. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about her. Evening. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes if y'all want to turn there. Get things aligned out. Now, Ecclesiastes. How many of y'all have ever really gotten into Ecclesiastes? Ah, see, it's some, but it's not something we grab a hold of a whole lot, is it? The thing about Ecclesiastes, you know who Ecclesiastes reminds me of? Eeyore. He had Tigger and all his energy, Pooh Bear, and his bright view of the world, Piglet, smart little Piglet, Owl, and all these characters. And then you had Eeyore. Eeyore, who looked at his reflection in the stream and said, Pathetic. That's just what it is, pathetic. Pooh comes up to him and says, Good morning, Eeyore. And Eeyore says, Good morning, Pooh. If it is a good morning, which I doubt. Just on and on. Just He could see the dark cloud and every silver lining. He just did that well. And when you open up Ecclesiastes, that's what you hear. On and on and on. Because how often do we open up God's Word and find something that says, Meaningless. It's meaningless. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Do you, do you think Eeyore wrote this book? He had a hand in it somewhere because it's like, what? why do we even do what we do? Look, what does anybody gain by all their hard work? I was thinking, we're going to talk about the, the downside of life just as the ladies go back to have a devotional. Everybody's going to go in there, oh, I don't know. But this is what it almost feels like in all that because when he lays it all out, he talks about how how life, there's just, we go through it all, and what do we do? What happens after you live life? Generations come, generations go, the earth keeps on going. The sun rises, the sun sets, goes back to where it rises again. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, at the full, sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are, y'all feel like this time? Like this sometimes, all things are wearisome. There's Eeyore again. Ah, everything is just more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear of its hearing. What has been done will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time, and no one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. In other words, we, we're here living thinking we got it all, but you know what's going to happen here in a few generations if Christ hasn't, come up, hasn't returned? How many of us are really going to be remembered? It says we live our lives and life keeps on going. And, and why, why even try? You know what he said? Why even try? You know what's going to happen? We're all going to die anyway. It's an exciting, encouraging book, isn't it? One dies, so dies the other. All it's talking about animals and, and people. And it says, look, an animal dies, person dies. They all have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything's meaningless. We all end up in the grave, and there's just nothing there. So how in the world do we find meaning in this life? Because we, we have to wrestle with all that. Wrestle, what is life really all about? 
when you're young, you feel like you've got a whole life ahead of you. And you get older and you find out, wow, where to go? Man, what is this? What do we do with this? How do we live life in the middle of all this? And how many of us, I love the, the picture. You know, you want to know how much of an impression you leave upon this earth when you come through it? Y'all heard this before. You stick your finger in a glass of water, take it out, and see how much of an impression you made. And that's what he says. He says, no one remembers the former generations like we did. You know, we get forgotten so quickly. 612, who knows what is good for a person in life during the few and meaningless days they pass through like a shadow. I think his favorite word was meaningless. He says, who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they're gone? We just pass on through. 9 verse 2, all share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices, those who do not. He goes on. All these differences we look at in life, he says, ultimately, life comes to an end. And there's no difference between any of us. In a sense, it almost feels like the way he describes life is that we're up here dancing on the deck of the Titanic while it's sinking. I mean, is that what life is really all about? Here, it's, it's going to die, and we just kind of, we're here. And then it goes away. Now, he, he tries in Ecclesiastes... Solomon tries to make, what is it that can really fill life with meaning? What can it make it worthwhile? Because we're, we're, there's got to be something to where we can look back and say, that was good. That was what life was all about. And so he laid it out. He says, you know, God gave us a brain. Let's use it. Let's see how much we can learn. I applied my mind to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under the suns. I studied and I worked and I hard and I learned all that I could do. Look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who's ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. And you think about that. How many people in the world, if I can just understand life, I can make it worthwhile. If I can gain enough knowledge have enough degrees, if I can learn more things, if I can have wisdom and understanding, if I can just become intelligent enough and have enough knowledge, life, I'll be able to figure it out. And when you learn all these things, what do we find at the end? We might seek meaning and wisdom and learning. And and here I thought, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, the way he talks about it, here we got all the kids up here, said, why to go to college? It doesn't do us any good anyway. Is what he sounds like, doesn't it? Because that's the, the layout. He says, all this wisdom and learning, he says, what it helped him do is even see more clearly how empty life was. He says, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun, and all of them are meaningless. The chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. He says, all these things I learned, and all the understanding I gained, I was able to turn around and go, yeah, Eeyore again. So he said, you know, oh, he still has here read a couple others. Then I applied myself to an understanding, and I learned for which much, well, I like this last one. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Y'all know the phrase, ignorance is bliss? He just gave us the opposite. Knowledge is grief. The more you see, you see and grow, and you see all. It's like, oh, I wish I hadn't known that. And we learn all of these things. Chapter 2, the wise, like the few, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. And here we go again. We're going to die anyway. Like the fool, the wise too must die. So what good was it to do all that learning? What good was it to grow in knowledge and wisdom and understanding? 
And now at the least, maybe what we ought to do is to look at life and say, if, if we're all going to come to an end anyway, I don't want to go through life depressed. I, I, Eeyore is a fun guy. I love Eeyore. But maybe there's a way to feel good as we go through life. And this is what Solomon does. He says, there's got to be a way where we can make life worthwhile by pleasure, by, by finding the things that make life feel good. So he, he lays it all out. So you don't want to test you with pleasure to find out what is good. I'm going to try everything. You know, he's a rich man. He's got power. He's got everything laid out before him, and there is nothing holding him back. So he says, I tried cheering myself with wine. Take any kind of substance, and you can feel better. And so it's embracing folly. Might as well be silly while we're at it. My mind's still guiding me with wisdom. In other words, I can, I can misbehave, and I look at it as if I'm looking at myself from somewhere else. And so he looks back at his life. He says, I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Maybe there's something in life that we can make today worthwhile. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. And when you all think about pleasure, do you think about something like that? But it is, isn't it? We find hobbies and things to do to feel like, oh, that was, oh, I love that. To be able to build, to do this, to fix things, whatever it may be. And we try to fill our lives with this. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also more, owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. He, he is just trying to gather things to his life to make life worthwhile. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers. See, when you can't buy a radio or have a CD player or an iPod, you got to hire the singers. So he's got all the music he could ever have. And a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. Every kind of pleasure he lays out. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, and all this with my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. He says, I found every kind of pleasure you could possibly have, and I tried it. Now, doesn't that sound like a life? Oh, man, he, ought to, he was partying every night, sleeping in as long as he wanted. Felt good, and what did he, what did he say? Yet, when I had surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. In life, it's so easy for us to think in the moment how good this is in the pleasure. And then you find out later what was really all that about. It comes up empty. Even the biggest partiers in this world come to a point where it's like it's the same thing again. Over and over. Maybe, maybe it's all about success. I mean, if you can find a good job that pays well, if you could line up to, to reach pinnacles of achievement and success, gain riches beyond your imagination, wouldn't that be a life worthwhile? Somebody where you could, you could go in and somebody would say, who is that? And they go, oh, that's such and such of that company. Ooh, wow. He's in a place. And so Solomon does this. He says, look, you can have youth come from prison and get to the kingship. And he may have been born in poverty and, and within his kingdom. And, and it's like, look, 
He can rise to become king within his kingdom. 519, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is the gift of God. God gives. It's like there's riches. Uh, to keep track of where I am. Oh, I'm ahead of it. But at the end, what do you find out? And all this work, all this achievement, all the hours worked in offices, all the labor to try to gather up all that we can and achieve success based on this world, says, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Gather up all the riches and what happens to them after you're gone? If you're family doesn't fall apart fighting over it. He says, what kind of knuckleheads might come along and just fritter it all away? Why did I make all this, do all this work just to have somebody go and, and foolishly spend it? It, it just, it, it becomes, why even try in all of that? It says, they'll have control over all the fruit of my toil, which I put my effort and skill under the sun. It's, it's meaningless. How many companies have we seen in history that somebody has started a company, built it huge, and then they've passed it along to some successor who's just totally destroyed it? He says, life, this is what happens. You don't have control anymore. After you're gone, you don't get to control it. After you're gone, you don't get a say anymore. Because there's always some lawyer who will break any kind of thing you set up before you went. And you can't fight them anymore. Chapter 4, verse 16. There was no end to all the people who were before them, but those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This too is meaningless. It's chasing after the wind. That comes after where he talks about the, the one from prison or poor became a king. And it's like you can become king and then you get people upset and then you, you go on to the next king. And it's like why even work to become king? Because there's no way you can keep everybody happy. There's no way you can keep everything the way it ought to be as you go along. All that hard work and dedication. 5 verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. The vast majority of us, and I'll say us because it's a rare thing in humanity to find somebody who can take wealth and not be impacted negatively by it. And he says... You find somebody who's gained a whole lot and they don't stop and say, that's enough. I'm content. They keep after it. When you love wealth, you keep chasing it because you want more and more. You're never satisfied in it. There's a few, there's a few exceptions to that rule, but I guarantee you for the majority of humanity, we don't do that well. We don't handle what we have well. It's like at the end of all of it, what we have, all our work, can be wasted away. It's like, why even try? Now, if I stopped right there, y'all would be bummed out, and we'd walk out going, oh, I'm not getting up tomorrow morning. But he doesn't leave us there. Ecclesiastes, those, though, does take a little different tack than how he views things. Bless you. So when you, when, when you think about giving life meaning, I don't want us to jump to the default answer that without thought. 
You know what the default answer is? Like in Bible class, the teacher says to the kids, what's brown, furry, we have a long tail, and likes nuts. And one of the kids goes, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus. Because our default answer when we get into this church building a lot of times is, oh, the way to have meaning in life, Jesus. But don't jump there without thinking about why and how we, how does that, Why? So he gives us a list. Oh, I, I stopped short of my, my riches one. Sleeper of the laborer is sweet, sweet whether they eat or little or much, but as for the rich, or abundance permits them no sleep. Have you all ever had your uh, worries keep you up at night? I missed a couple of them there. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes so they depart, they take nothing from their toil that can carry in their hands. No matter how much you have, you don't take it with you. All right, what really matters in life? There are some verses through Ecclesiastes that we need to look at carefully because he repeats this over and over again. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him who can eat or find enjoyment. Chapter 3, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. 3.22, I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work, because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? 5.18, this is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given 8.15, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Now, did he just say, after he said pleasure doesn't give anything to life, did he just say uh, what really matters is having pleasure? Maybe we could back up. There's a couple phrases. All the eating and drinking and finding satisfaction, where does it come from? From the hand of God. We can eat and drink and find satisfaction. This is a gift of God. He didn't repeat that phrase in all of them. We talk about the few days of life God has given. And so when we look at it from that perspective, what he's saying isn't that these are the focus of life that gives us, gives us meaning. He's saying, with, we look at it, the joy that will accompany them and their toil all the days of their life. God has given them under the sun. That's, that's the phrase that repeats it over and over and over again. That means when we talk about having life matter, that we take today, see each day as a gift from God. How many of us are still living yesterday? And how many of us are living tomorrow? In reality, none of us are. We, we're here right now today. And God has blessed us with today. We don't know what will be tomorrow. We've managed to get through yesterday. So we see today as a gift from God. And he says, in this day, see everything good in it as a gift from God. Y'all remember lunch? Do you see how good it was? The blessing God had given? To enjoy it? Sometimes in our culture, we eat too fast and we don't stop to think, how did that taste? 
we've got two dogs that approach food differently. One of them swallows it and then says, what was that? The other one sniffs at it, kind of looks at it, may pick it up, put it back down, and then eat it. She wants to know, is this, is this really good? Sometimes we take our days and we act like Max, our, our dog, that will swallow everything without asking questions. We just go through it and say, we just get through this day. I don't, I don't, I'm looking for tomorrow, and we forget that God has given us today. The, the, here we are together today. The food that he's given us today. The rest he's given us. The work he's given us. In chapter 9, he says this. He says, go eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. He said, live today. Be present today. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life. He throws a meaningless life again. That God has given you under the sun. This is your lot. And in your toilsome labor under the sun, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Live today. Be present where you are. Whatever you're doing in the moment, be there right now. Value your relationships today. Whoever they may be. Your parents, your spouse, your brothers, your sisters, your children, your grandchildren, who your friends. To see the blessing that God has given you. To see the food that you have before you as a gift. See each day as a gift from God. And then we take the bigger picture. He says, here we are today, but remember how we fit in God's creation. Our whole lives. That we've been given breath by God. We live in a creation that has a creator who's... who's Provided for us. So he says in chapter chapter 12. I almost want to read that whole chapter. Um, almost. I'll go ahead and do it. Chapter 12. Remember your creator in your youth. Now, how, when do he's implying there that when do we start thinking about God? When do we start getting serious about really living life? When we start seeing that life is short, we start getting a little bit more serious. He says, don't wait. Don't wait. When you find no more pleasure in the years, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Now he's talking about losing our eyesight there. In verse 3 he says, When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because there are few, you know, when you, when you lose teeth, and those looking through the windows grow dim, there's our eyesight. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades when you can't hear as well, when the, birds, when the people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, or do we have any older folks that actually are uh, sleep-in type? Any of y'all manage that? No, no, older folks, not, not, not 30s. That doesn't count. How many of us, as we get older, we would, I would love to sleep in, but at some point we can't. We wake up. Our bodies ache and kick us out of bed. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets... You listen to us as we get older. We worry about things because we know. I teased about the sign in the fellowship hall. What does it say? Krista? Oh, Emily. What's the sign in there about fall? Happy fall. Happy fall. 
You know, that, that means something different when you get older. Right? We worry about that. Anyway, because we get unsteady, we have to watch and, and be more careful. So that when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. And when we get our white hair, I wish some of us got white hair, but most, you know, is our hair grays. Then people go to the eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken. For the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Remember him in our youth. Because that's what life really is. It's not just, oh, when you're older, when you're older now, oh, I'm about to leave this world. I need to start thinking about God. He says, do it when you're young. Because life is given to us by our creator. In chapter 3, he says he's made everything beautiful in its time. He also has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He's set eternity in our hearts. We know there's more to this life than just this life. And so we need to live from that perspective of what God has done for us. So in, in some ways, that means we, we live in awe of our Creator. We remember Him. So we know that when we live this life, we, we've got to consider that. In chapter 5, he says, you know, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they're doing. In other words, don't just play at this life. Don't just play with that idea of religion. Really live for God. Don't be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. So when he, when he lays that all out, he says, when you, when you make a promise to God, don't play around. Take it seriously. Because God has created us. And life is not just get through it. It has more meaning than that. When we get down to all of it, what does he say at the end? Now that all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So that this life isn't just one to be lived and it's gone. That when we live it, what have we done with it? This gift that God has given us. Chapter 3, verse 17, he says the same thing again. God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. We don't measure our lives based upon how successful we were, how rich we were, what our achievements were, how much pleasure we had, how much we partied, how much we, we washed away our sorrows. He says we don't measure life by those things. We measure life based upon the will of God. And what his intent for us is. You know, I thought, I didn't know we were going to have two funerals around this Sunday. But when you think about, when I, well, when I planned this sermon, that's, I have to keep finishing my sentence, don't I? When we think about a funeral, when somebody is gone, what do we talk about? What do we talk about for those when we've lost somebody we love? We, we remember so much about them. We remember, we remember how we loved them and they loved us. We remember their character. We remember little things that at the moment we wouldn't have thought very much about. How many of us remember little things 
from our our grandparents or our parents or when our children are growing and we can remember that and they don't even have a clue but for us it's a treasure we talk about those kind of things and so when God says what do you remember to make life meaningful it's not a matter of all this list of achievements we'll put that in the obituary okay We'll put all your accomplishments in the obituary, but ultimately, when we stand up and talk about someone, when we've lost them, we don't say, you know, let me tell you how much they had in the bank. It's like, let me tell you who they were. Because that's what really matters. For us, I think that's where we have to come back to. To live today so that it's meaningful. That we, we found joy in what God had blessed us with. And that we live today so that it reflects that God was the one who gave us life. To give him honor and glory. You know, the great thing is no matter how many of us may look back at the yesterdays before and go, oh, I really wasted those. God has given us today. We're able to today begin to live so that God is honored. And to take today and find the joy that God has blessed us with. So now if you need prayers you need some encouragement because of yesterday's we're here today to be able to pray with you and for you and it may be today you need to make a, a change make a commitment to call upon God to be buried with Christ in baptism whatever is needed so that today you're living life as God intended for it to be if you need to respond, why don't you come now as we stand and sing. Oh, do not let the word depart And close thine eyes against the light Poor sinner, harden not thy heart Be saved, oh, tonight Oh, why not tonight Oh, why not tonight? Wilt thou be saved? Then why not tonight? Tomorrow's sun may never rise to bless a long deluded sight. This is a Time will then be wise, be saved, oh, tonight, oh, why not tonight, oh, why not tonight, will thou be saved, then why not Tonight, our blessed Lord refuses not.
souls unite. Believe, obey, the work is done. Be saved, oh, tonight. Oh, why not tonight? Oh, why not tonight? Will thou be saved? this before. Um, would y'all keep in your prayers the family of uh, Janet Kindred? She asked for our prayers this morning after, after we were finished. So if y'all remember, she didn't specify, but we can rely on God to know what is. Uh, she just asked for prayers for her family. Janet Kindred. Lord's Supper is prepared in the fellowship hall for those that were unable to partake this morning. You'll make the, your way there while we sing in Christ alone. <clears throat> Leslie, I don't know if you ever wonder if the kids are listening, but they were tonight. When you started talking about old people, three of them specifically turned and looked at me. But I realized Will was sitting behind me, so I didn't take no offense to that. So that comment about it being nice kids over here, this is the nice group over here, Brandon and Kobe and that bunch there. So y'all have been noted there. <clears throat> yeah, you don't think we pay attention. We get these gray hairs. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 9 and 10 is some instruction to the youth. And Leslie didn't cover it, and I thought it was important. So if you'll lend me your ear while I read those verses. And it talks about it. It says, Rejoice, O young people, in your youth. And let your heart be full of cheer in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove the sorrow from your heart and put away from the, the flesh of the things that you have go on in your life. For your childhood and your youth are vanity. And so the writer of Ecclesiastes speaks specifically to the youth there and says, remember, even in your youth, to not do things that won't matter later on in life. I wish that instruction had been implied to me at a younger age, and I'd grabbed hold of it sooner. Now, as a parent, as I look on these kids and these families, I see a great value there, and I have concerns about foolishness, robbing them uh, and putting the label of, what you chased was vanity. It had no importance. So let's sing together in Christ alone, and then we'll be dismissed in prayer. In Christ alone my hope is found. Here in my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This
the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my death. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I stand. He returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Let's bow together. Father, we 